Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Yeah! You guys doing well? You guys ready to hear the word? It's always a good day to be in church. Always. That's when you guys say amen. amen. <laughs> no, I love being in church. It's always good uh, to be here together, and nothing is better than being able to worship God, but also being able to connect with Him through His Word. And so I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this message that's been on my heart for quite a while now. But before we get into it, you know our church. Let's pray before we get into it. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's Let's pray together as a church. God, we thank you, and we come together today, um, and we just don't take for granted the opportunity that we have to be here, the opportunity that we get to, to be in your presence, to learn more about you, to align ourselves with your word and have that, that reminder and this new call to action to go forward in our week, always exemplifying who you are, God. We thank you that we never take that for granted, but instead that we, we, we pray for the leaders of this country, and we pray for the leaders of this church uh, the leaders of every church, God, every country, every political leader, whatever, whoever is in any place of leadership, God, we thank you for joy and, and strength. And we just thank you for courage within them, health and healing flowing through their bodies, God. We thank you that they continue to lead in whatever capacity they are leading, God, guided by you with your wisdom, God, with your will, with your just, you just continue to guide their steps, God, and they allow you to guide their steps, God. We thank you that for those that are all about themselves and just go their own way and never lead towards what your perfect will is, God. We thank you we can remove them and we can, we can elect someone even better that will lead us towards your perfect will, God. Also, God, we just pray for the war happening right now in Israel, God. We thank you um, just for the people out there, God. We pray for just health and healing over all of the innocent lives that are out there right now, God. Every single one of them, God. We thank you for guardian angels encamped around those innocent uh, human beings, God, that are just trapped in the middle of, of this fight, God. We thank you that uh, we, just, we just lift that up and we just command peace to go there, God. We just, com- we just continue to speak against any assignment of the, of the devil that is uh, in and around that, God. We, we just condemn any, any terrorist organization that might be in the, in the middle of this, God. We command them gone and out, God, and we think that you're just guardian angels encamped around everything there, God, leading and guiding people, not only to know you better, but into safety and peace and strength and everything that they do, God. So we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And every agreement said, amen and amen. Awesome. You know, every, the last probably few times I've been on stage, I've had to take breaks from this this message series that I feel like I've been in the middle of for a while. And if you're unfamiliar with the message series that I've been on, I've been talking about the busyness of life a lot. I felt called, led in my own studying of scripture, in my own devotion time, in my own time where I get to just sit up in the morning and just study God's word. And I'm constantly brought back to this battle that I feel all of us are in right now. And it's the battle of, of not being so busy all the time. It's this battle of not being so distracted. It's this battle where to, to remain present and to really focus on what truly matters and what brings meaning and purpose to your life. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And whether you believe that or not doesn't make it true or not. 
But if we believe it and we abide by what God and how God leads us, we can step into a world and we can live a life that God has planned for you that will completely transform every relationship that you have, completely transform your family, your community, the church, this church that you go to. It'll transform every single relationship when we choose to do it God's way. Now, the problem with the world that we live in right now is that every single day and every single year that we move forward, it seems that we are getting more busy, one. And number two is that we are getting more distracted, more distracted than ever, ever before. And if I can ask you guys a question in your own life and answer this in your mind, think about it. Remember this time when I ask you it. Think about a time where somebody's presence brought you peace. It brought you strength. It brought you an opportunity to just breathe in and breathe out and to remind yourself that everything's okay. We see this presence, this, this presence a lot in, in parents and their kids. We see this presence a lot in people that feel like they're alone and then they have someone beside them that can help them through. This presence side of things starts to really change the way that you live. I'll never forget where presence became real to me. And the reason God created presence, it really hit me in this one moment that I want to share with you. You know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm all about being vulnerable. I'm all about telling you I'm not perfect. I'm all about telling you that what I preach on stage, I'm working on. I'm all about telling you that, hey, just as screwed up as you might think you are, sometimes I feel like I'm screwed up too, okay? We're in the same boat in this journey to get to know God and to strengthen our relationship together. And so back in, in when I was a, a young adult, in my early 20s, um, I had this problem with, not problem, but I had this, this thing that I had to deal with with my heart. My heart would, would race out of, out of nowhere. I mean, like, go from resting heart rate to completely racing at 200 beats per minute. And boom, like just switch. And when I was younger, this is before I went and got tested and made sure I was healthy. And yes, I'm completely good. Everything is amazing. But this is early, earlier in my life. And I was in the moment where I was first experiencing that for the first time. And I was so scared. I was fearful. I was, I was in a moment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was dying. I, I, I had this fear overtake me. And when I was dating my wife, it was during this time. And, and we just talked to each other. and We said, hey, maybe we should call my dad. Now, my entire life, my dad brought a pillar of peace, a pillar of strength, of courage, um, a presence that I can't even replicate with words. It was something that brought so much peace. I would say almost to the degree where I probably relied on him and, and his presence more than I relied on Jesus, more than I relied on what God did for us. And I think that there's always a bridge. Someone is that bridge sometimes within your life where they show you what Jesus might have been like. And it introduces you to someone that you really want to know, and that's Jesus. And when you meet someone like that, that carries that presence with them of peace, of strength, of courage, you lock on to that person. You think, oh my gosh, I need this person in everything that I do. Now, I probably went to an unhealthy side with my dad where I was like, I always need him. I always this when I was younger. But I've learned since then that God is the one that he got his peace from, his strength from. And so I need to be in that same boat. And so in this moment of, of my heart racing and me wondering what's going on, um, I, I was like, I just need to call my dad. And so me and, me and my, my, my wife now, Jessica, we called my dad. And, and the moment I heard his voice, it was instant peace. It was instant peace over the phone, him not even in the room with me. The presence over the phone brought me this peace. 
He instantly prayed for me, and in his prayer, my heart went right back to normal, right back to normal rhythm. Everything was fine, and it was amazing. And I instantly, in that moment, I felt like God was speaking to me to say, presence is a big thing. Presence is a massive thing in your world. So the problem of of the world that we live in right now is we are more distracted and busy than ever before. And the more distracted that we become and the more busy that we become, it erodes our ability to be present in where we need to be present. Think about the last time that you were present somewhere. And I mean emotionally, mentally, physically, all of them, spiritually, whatever it is, where you were present in that moment. I bet you, you probably have to think back quite a ways to where you actually were present. And I mean not distracted, focusing on what you needed to focus on in that moment. It's sad that we have to think back quite a ways in order to get that memory. And the more that we read through the Bible, the more I see how incredibly impactful and and strong presence is in the Word of God. So much so that I want to talk about a certain guy in the Bible called Moses. Moses was someone, probably one of the most famous people in in the Bible. He was known for what he did, being close to God, the presence that he, uh, that he had with God, that God was always with him. He knew that that was a big thing for him to be a part of. And I want to talk about Exodus. So Exodus is in the Old Testament, and so it's a little bit Old Covenant, some stuff in there that can sometimes confuse people that are reading it. But I want to focus on the side where Moses was leading the people, the slaves, out of Egypt into the promised land. That's what God said, you need to go do this. And so Moses, literally, he parted the Red Sea to get away from Pharaoh and his men to save the hundreds and if not thousands of people that were following him out of slavery to the promised land that God promised to his people. Now, in this moment, God said to him, hey, you need to realize that there is, I want you to go take this promised land. I want you to be there and I will be able to help you through it. I will send an angel before you that will help you go claim this land that is yours. And this is God speaking to Moses. And so you have, we have to get into the spot with Exodus where we understand that before the verses I'm about to read, God literally said, I'll send an angel before you guys and he will help you go to this promised land where you will bring this people to a land flowing of milk and honey, flowing with abundance of wealth, a place where you can build, a place where you can thrive and flourish with your families and generations to come. This is what God was giving to this people. And so we find in Exodus 33 verse 8 to 10, It says this, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. So in this moment, they were all camped out at this Mount Horeb. They were in this spot where they're wondering what's going on, where? And so back in that day, when they weren't settled into this, new, into this new city yet, into this promised land, they didn't have a temple they could go to where they could praise and worship and speak to God. And so they set up these tents that, that in this moment acted as a tabernacle. This tabernacle was where they would go worship God. They would speak to God. Moses would come into this tent and, and meet with God and his presence. And so as we read about this, we start to realize how important God's presence was to Moses. And verse 9, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. 
What we need to understand here is that God's presence was so important to Moses that he would go and talk to God in this tent. Okay, but God wanted everyone there, all the Israelites, to know that God's presence was there and therefore put this pillar of cloud that was always at this entrance to this tent to let everyone know that Moses is currently meeting with me. It was a representation of the presence of God. I think back to, well, Moses could have went into the tent. He could have just talked to God and came back out and said, hey guys, I was just talking to God. He could have said, I was just talking to God in there and they'd all have to take his word for it. But no, God knew the power of his presence, even the visual representation of him being there would change the world of people change what they do, change what they believe in. And you see this in this verse that when he says that God was there, this cloud, this pillar of cloud is just standing there represent, representing uh, God's, God's presence. They all began to worship and praise and pray. They all began to be in awe of this presence. Why? Because God's presence was so incredibly important, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. We see it all throughout the Bible how important it was was. This is massive in our faith. Sometimes we read past through these stories and go, oh, that's cool, a pillar of cloud. No, we don't realize that God was emphasizing how important it was that we knew presence, that we understood presence, that we understood how to be present as well. This, this verse signifies the fact that, oh my goodness, Moses is meeting with God. And, and so everyone knew it. He made sure that this cloud, this pillar of cloud was there as a representation. See, this, this Bible verse says the pillar of cloud would descend. This column or pillar that we read about, it literally means a standing thing. And it was of cloud. The nature, whatever its nature was, we don't fully know, but what it symbolized, what it signified was something very crucial in our faith. It signified the presence of God. It signified him being there. And whenever Moses entered the tent, the sign of God's presence was to be seen. I need you guys to remember that as we continue through this, this message today, that the presence of God was so incredibly important to be seen by others. As we go into verse 12, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, so before I read this, remember that we said in the beginning of this verse that God said, I would send an angel before you, Moses, and they will clear out the inhabitants in there and you can inhabit this land. And so now Moses is saying, hey, you said to me to bring up these people. He said, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said that I know you by name. So God told Moses, I know you by name. God also said that they have found grace in his sight. This means that God's giving grace to this people, whether they're, whether they're serving them or not. Whether in, the, in that day, the Israelites did something that was very bad in that time, where they, where they were committing idolatry, where they were worshiping a different idol besides God. And so, so God was already saying to Moses, you have grace for this. I, I, I'm not going to judge you for that. But he says, now, now Moses says, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. So Moses is saying, look, I don't want an angel, I want you. You come with us. It's pretty much what Moses was saying in this moment. Verse 14, God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In my opinion, I feel like Moses just got what he wanted. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
But Moses goes an extra little conversation next that I'm like, I don't know if I would have done this with God. I feel like God gave him an inch and Moses was trying to take a mile in this moment. But let's just read it. Verse 15. (laughs) Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I'm like, interesting. Moses is uh, bargaining with God right now, which I don't know would be the smartest route, but Moses was an incredible man of God. And so we just trust the fact that he knows what he's doing. And he said, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? So he's saying, we have grace with you, but how will we even know if you're not going to go with us? He said, so we shall be separate, you, your people and I, from all the people who are on, on, the, on the face of the earth. Moses is saying, look, I know you want me to go to the promised land, but I ain't going unless you come. That's the, the best way to say it, which I would almost say it's like, that's a little bit of back talk, you know? <laughs> all you parents out there, if your kids spoke to you this way, might be something happening, you know? Whatever that is, there might be some disciplinary action happening after that comment. That's why Moses said this, and I was like, jaw drop to Moses. I was like, you sure you want to go there? This isn't a parent. This is God, okay? You got you to gotta go down this path a little, a little bit uh, straight and narrow, man. Don't, don't go off the side of the ditch here, okay? But he's saying, look, God, I'm not going unless you come with me. And the, then the Lord said to Moses in verse 17, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Amazing. Verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. So Moses is now saying, I want you to go with me, but I want you to show me all of you now. I want to see your entire glory. I've only been able to see bits and pieces of what you've done, but I want to see everything. And God said back to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But then he said to Moses, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Crazy. It enters this other realm where you realize that the goodness of God was so good so incredible, so life-changing that God said, no, 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 you're not ready to see me yet. You're not ready. In fact, they're saying mortal man cannot endure to see God, is what they were saying in this verse. In a vivid pictorial language, the passage says that man may only see where God passed by. And so we know God because of his past doings and acts, and God as he is in all of his mystery, we can't comprehend or know. the the full extent of who he was. For a full revelation of what God is like, man must wait for who? Jesus. So Jesus came came to the earth later, and that was our first, as as people, opportunity to see the, the image of God in person. It was phenomenal, and we can actually see this and so in, in John 14, 9, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but John 14, 9, Jesus says to someone, how have I been with you so long and yet you don't know me? I'm skipping through this a little bit. He says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So you can't say, show us the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. That's what Jesus was saying. I've walked the earth. I've showed you the character of God. This is who I 
am. And whether you believe it is up to you. But this was a massive thing. So Moses would not go to the promised land without God's presence. That is how important it was to Moses. God's presence was so important that he would not go and not do what God told him to do unless God was with him. He knew that he didn't just want an angel to go before him. He wanted the presence of God to be with him them. If this doesn't really solidify the need for God's presence in our life, but not only, it also symbolizes the fact that presence in life is very needed. It's very needed by each and every one of you. Presence is huge, and the more that we read about a presence in the Word of God, we see Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Why? Because presence is so incredibly important. It is life-giving. It is peace-giving. It is strength-giving. It changes your world when someone decides to be fully present. Fully present. So much to the degree that we see in Jesus's life of him teaching and walking around. His presence was so incredibly important that he couldn't do what he did without coming to the earth and doing all that he did. Now, it's scary when we see all the presence and, and, and everyone, everything in the, in the Word of God showing us how important presence is in our life when we think about to today's day going, we are more distracted, more busy than ever before. See, I'm not scared that, I've said this before, I'm not scared that people will denounce their faith. I'm more scared that we're going to become so busy and distracted that we never live the life God wanted us to live just because we kind of like separate ourselves from him, not choosing to, but allowing everything external in our world, in our life, in our city, in our work, in our family, in our marriage, and everything that we do starts to separate us one day at a time until soon we're questioning the, the validity of, of God, not realizing that it's not God, he's real. It's just that you aren't choosing that lifestyle of being present because we're so distracted, so busy. I said this a little while ago. In some of, my, in some of my, my messages about this series was the same thing. We get so distracted and so busy all of the time. I was walking through a, a, a place the other day, I think it was the mall, and I was like, man, sometimes I knowingly play chicken with the people on their phone when they're walking with their head down through the mall. They're walking, like just pick a seat, you know what I mean? Just go sit down. But I'm like, okay, I'll just walk towards them and see when they, when they, when they, when they notice me. I don't know, I'm not gonna run into them, okay? I'll, I'll dodge them if I need to. It was just funny. So I was just going, and, and then at the last little bit, everyone's peripheral all of a sudden sees you like, oh, sorry, and they run out. Why? They're so distracted. They're walking through life, and that, that picture is how all of us walk through life if we're not careful. I'm not saying actually looking at your phone. I'm just saying you look, you just walk through life not focused on anything. You just walk through life not fully present. You guys get ready for church. You're all looking very good, by the way. You guys all get ready. You set your alarm to be here. You take the time to drive and use gas. You get here. You might get your coffee. You're enjoying your coffee at church. All to not be present during the service. I'm not saying all of you like this, but many of us do this. Where we take so much time out of our day to be somewhere, but we're not actually there. Isn't it interesting? We see this within marriages. We see more failed marriages than we've ever seen before, and it's going to continue to rise unless people understand the importance of presence. We're going to see families break apart and kids leave their parents or their dad or their mom, pick sides, messy divorces. Why? Because of lack of presence. 
We're going to see relationships end. We're going to see people that feel lonely, all their friends leave them. Why? Because when they had them, they weren't truly present. This scares me. I don't know if it scares you. It scares me a little bit, though, to realize that we're going to go through life. We might have only 24 hours in every day, but I guarantee it'll feel like 48 if you're present. But if you're not present, it's going to feel like two hours, one hour, 30 minutes. Don't get me wrong, there's place in our life to do things that are fun. There's place in our life to watch shows. There's place in our life to be on our phone. There's place in life to do those fun things. It's just choose to be present in what you're present with. You know? So many of us choose to go through life and, and ne never actually choose presence. Instead, we just kind of let life do what it will to us. And then we come screaming back to church and back to God and praying and trying to get to know God as quickly as possible when everything in our life goes into sham in, in shambles. And we're trying to figure out what to do and where to go when God's best is there. But if we don't remain present in our relationship with God, we'll never experience the abundant life that we talk about. We'll never experience the abundant life that we pray about. We'll never experience the abundant life that we read about in God's word. We'll never understand God's character to take care of us, to provide healing and health, to provide prosperity and favor in our finances, to provide whatever it might be, all because we're too distracted. It's scary, and it actually goes a step further. And this is, to me, what makes me go, okay, we got to rise up, is that if you're not present, someone will be. And take that for what you will. Let's talk about political leadership for now. Many people might have their political biases and they might say, we need to change Canada, we need to do this. Yet the believers, the one that have a self-proclaimed relationship with Jesus, don't take the time to be present enough in the relationship with him to be guided and led. So if a believer who's not present gets to where he needs to go to help change Canada towards Jesus, he won't even do it because it doesn't matter. They're not present. And guess what? Someone will be present. And if that person's not a believer, they're going to lead this country, this world, school systems, everything, families, communities, churches, not towards God, towards the opposite. Why? Because believers of Christ chose not to be present. Take it a step further in your family. If you're not present with your kids, someone will be. If you're not present with your marriage, someone will be. Terrifying. If you're not present in your job as an occupation, what you do for work, someone will be. They'll outshine you. They'll replace you. They will do things that you want to do, not realizing that you missed out. Not because you chose to be distracted, but you didn't choose to be present. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you can hear a pin drop, but it's just... This scares me because I, I believe in, in, in a world that we can live for God. I believe in generation after generation after generation to serve Jesus. I believe in, 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 I mean, let's say Springs Christian Academy to flourish in every city in Canada so we can teach Jesus to everyone first and foremost, that every generation rising up after that continues to push forward in knowing him. I believe in a political system that is based on God. I believe in, in, a, in a school system, in public schools one day, to be based on God. But none of that will ever happen if the believers that are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus don't choose to be present. Yeah. 
And it starts to erode this side where we choose now, not because you're, you're wanting to go a different way. Again, people who don't want to be Christians, they just say they're not Christians anymore and they go live their own life. At least they chose something. Didn't get an amen for that one. But at least they chose something. Because the rest of us are just kind of like, yeah, it's great. Go to church. It's fun. Get to worship. We pray. Yeah, my relationship with God is pretty good. It's just like lukewarm all the time. Like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> Sorry. If you have a bad gag reflex, I just did that. But seriously, it just gets so ridiculous after a while. It's like the Bible talks about this. And I'm like through one page of six pages in my notes, and that's okay. We're going to end somewhere in there, and that's fine. Because this is just how this message is going to go today. But God's saying, don't be lukewarm. It doesn't, it, it, you're, you're not choosing to be lukewarm. That's what we need to understand in the world that we live in. Everything is working to make you not present. Everything is working to make you busy. Everything is working to make you distracted. You're not going to choose to be distracted. Just like you ch don't choose to be tempted. Get where I'm getting at? We have to get to a spot where we choose something. Because then when we fully choose something, we go live the life that God's called us to. And if we don't do this, we are constantly going to walk around with terrible marriages, terrible families, terrible businesses, terrible churches, terrible communities, terrible political systems, everything. Why? Because no believer is man or woman enough to stand up and say, I'm going to live like that. Oh man, it's... it's you can tell that I feel convicted. God's word's supposed to convict us. God's word, when you read it, should say, hey, you need to do better. But many of us are so sensitive these days where we go, I can never be told to do better. Life's already so hard. Yes, we know life's hard, but life can be much easier when you do it with God and you're present in your relationship with him. How do you expect the church to grow? How do you expect to go impact cities? How do you expect to go impact countries? How do you expect to do the call of God on all of our lives if our businesses suck, if our families suck, if our marriages suck, if everything sucks about our life? There's no money to, to increase the kingdom of God. Half, most of the church will never tithe because they're always in lack, because they haven't learned what the abundance and blessing and favor God has within your family, within your business, within your career that we don't have to live in lack? This is what God's word says. But unless we choose this way, it's tough. See, distractions will always choke out what God's trying to do in your life. Always. You ever hear about the parable of the sower? In the Bible, we see this. I'm, I don't know the reference off, off heart right now, but this, the sower is walking around and spreading seed. And it's this parable that, that they say is saying, hey, the son of the seed lands on concrete. No place for it to flourish or grow. The birds come and they eat it, so it never actually multiplies. The next one that they throw is a different spot, and it never really fully takes root because it's not proper soil. The third place is thorns, weeds, these places. They just toss the seed, and it starts to grow, but then all the thorns and weeds just choke it out. But then finally it says that the, the, the sower puts the seed on good ground, on good soil, and it multiplies tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. It just continues to multiply. See, that's what God wants to do in every area of your life, every single area, your marriage, your family, your finances. Yes, 
We don't serve a God that wants you to be poor. We serve a God that doesn't want you to idolize money. Let's just get that in there, okay? But if, if we aren't flourishing in our finances as, as, as believers, then we can't go on to do the call of, that God has on our life. We can't. Yeah, oh, we always live in lack. We never want too much. No, no, we want as much as we can possibly get to continue to fund God's kingdom forward. Not for your own gain. We've said this before. The parable of the sower is interesting because the thorns represent to me distraction and busyness. You can read the Bible, you can come to church, you can learn all that you can, but if you continue to be distracted most of your life, those thorns and and those weeds will just choke out any growth God's trying to do in your life. Any growth that God's trying to do in your marriage, any growth in your business, any growth in your position at a company, any growth in church, it's this choosing to be present. And it's scary to think that someone else will be that's not God serving before you. That's scary to me. To me, it's like, no, no, no. The church, the believers, they stand up. They go forward. They choose to be present. They choose to put their distractions aside. I always say that if I was in the Garden of Eden now, hindsight 2020, and I'm Adam, and they're saying, hey, don't eat from this tree, and then Satan's like, hey, look, you're going to want to. You know what the first thing I would do if I knew it was a temptation I couldn't really do? I'd chop that sucker down. That's what I would do. I'd be like working day and night with a rock and I'd be just hitting the the roots of this tree trying to get it to not flourish. Why? Because if it's a distraction you know controls you, you got to cut it out. You can't just leave it there. You know what's distracting you from God's best right now. You know it. I know you do. I know you do. We all know if I said, hey, what's distracting you from an actual relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with God? You can tell me right off the hop. You might not want to tell me because it's embarrassing. Same from all of us. I'm not saying singling anyone out. We're all in this journey together. The other day I was in, in, in the mall with, with, with my wife and we were at a shoe store. I was looking at the women's shoes for her. <laughs> what? I find it funny when I ask for a little size, whatever it might be, that's definitely not my size. And they look at me like, yeah, I think we can check the back for that. I'm like, not me. Come on. Like, my wife's over there. One of these days, I should just try to just get that shoe on no matter what and just throw them for a loop, right? But I was in there, and I'm looking at these shoes, and my wife's beside me is telling me a story. I pick up this shoe And I zoned out more than I ever have in my entire life. I'm talking like a movie zone out, okay? You know when you watch a movie and and it's like they depict a picture of a guy or a girl? Sometimes It's usually a guy, let's be honest. We have this nothing box we seem to get into quite often. Um, If you're married, your spouses might be elbowing you right now. Your wives might be elbowing you. But you get into this spot and I zoned out so, so strongly in that moment that it was like the movies. It was like my hearing went to nothing Like, I was like tunnel visioned at this one thing that I was looking at. Keep in mind that my wife was talking to me before I zoned out. So she was continuing to talk to me as I was zoned out. Until finally I hear Zach. 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 And I'm like, what? She's like, are you even listening? And I'm like, 
I am sorry. I said, I, I, I got to take blame for this, but that felt like I had no control. Like that was, that, that was how deep that zone out was. The point I'm trying to say is that we get distracted all the time, myself included. Yes, I'm preaching this, and yes, I'm probably making a lot of people feel bad in their relationships, in their marriages, in their families, but we are all on this journey. And it's better to be a part of a church where we all look to make each other better with Jesus than it is just to always accept even our faults. I will always accept each other for who each other are, but true love, true love helps someone grow. Man, as a church, we got to rise up. As believers, we got to go, we're going there. As a believers, we got to stand up and realize that when we establish a relationship with God and we are present in that relationship with God, it starts to just seep into every other relationship that you have. Every work that you go into, every new project you're in the middle of, every new relationship God has for you. How many relationships have we probably haven't gotten, even though God sent them, but we just, we were just too distracted. It's that person that said hi to you while you're walking to the mall, and instead of saying hi back, you're like, hi, and you kind of said, that's kind of weird. Why do they say hi to me in the middle of the mall? Maybe God was sending that person to you, and maybe you would have had a great conversation. I don't know. God works on a level that I can't comprehend, but what I do know is he works on a level that will change your life but not if we're distracted all the time. Distractions are brutal. If I can say anything, and I'm sure you guys already got the message on the wall here, the writing on the wall, we gotta be more present. And if we don't choose to be more present, someone else will. And the worst thing ever is if that someone isn't led by God. I'm not creating two classes of people here either. When we include Jesus in our life, we should be different. We should stand out. Now, the difference of that is that we're not keeping that to ourselves. We're allowing anyone who wants to include Jesus in their life to be included. We're in a spot where we're saying, hey, yes, I am different. Not in a higher than thou, not in a prideful way, in a way that Jesus lives in me. Of course, he's going to lead me to be different. And he can lead you to be different too. That's what I love about God. That's what I love about the Great Commission. That's what I love about what the Bible says for us to do and our calling to make disciples of every nation and to love God and love people. It's quite simple. But next year, if you don't choose to be present today and tomorrow and this year and every day going forward, next year you're going to be more distracted. Next year you're going to stop coming to church because you're too busy. And your kids are going to see that. And those who love you are going to see that. And they're going to start to get more distracted and more busy until... Soon we have, meh, it's great, but it's like we're just wishy-washy. You never really choose what we want to do with our life. You got to be present in everything that you do. Most of you are like, how do we do that? goes back to my last message that I said about prioritization. As Christians, we should prioritize in our life what is meaningful and purposeful. I think we fill most of our life with things that aren't. And it forces us to be present in things that doesn't really matter and not present in all the things that matter. But when you choose to just cut away, like Adam, like I said, if I was Adam and I, I'd chop that tree down, why? Because I knew it would be a distraction that would take me away from my relationship with God. If you have those distractions in your world right now, you gotta just get rid of them. You gotta move on. Because the life that God has for you 
is beyond anything you can ever dream of. But God requires one thing, you to be present with him. Present. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? No one looking around. As I said, as Christians, we should be different. As believers, we should be different. Why? Because we have Jesus living inside of us. But it's not a club. It's not something that only we can be in. It's something that's always open for anyone who ever wants to accept Jesus into their life and change their life. It's open for every single person. And every single Sunday we take time to include anyone who is listening into this relationship with God, into this family of Christ. Whether you're sitting in front of me or whether you're on the, on the screen watching in your living room, in your car, on your tablet, on your phone, wherever you are, this prayer, this time that we're in right now works directly through that screen and through that technology just as it would if you were sitting in front of me here. But if there's anyone here that wants to accept Jesus into your life and become that believer that we've been talking about, to choose this different life, I want to give you an opportunity with no one looking around, every eye closed and every head bowed, just between you and God, and I have my eyes open, and that's it. No one else. You don't got to feel embarrassed or anything, but I want to give an opportunity for those of you that want to accept Jesus into your life today. And if that's you, I just want you to look up at me and give me a wave. I'm going to include you in this prayer to become part of God's family. Thank you. So awesome. Same with all of you online. Thank you. Thank you. So great. Thank you. Awesome. Don't let nerves come in. Thank you. Don't let nerves come in. Thank you. So good. Right now, the devil's like, nope, 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 nope. Your life's good. It's good being busy. It's good being distracted. It's good being aware. Thank you. Thank you. But that's not the truth. God's got a best for you that you probably aren't even living in yet. And when we choose to be present with him, oh, that's amazing. Thank you. All you got to do is pray this prayer after me. And for those of you that are watching online right now, it's the same thing. You just got to repeat this prayer after me. Believe in Jesus and you are a part of his family. And I want everyone to repeat after me with all the amazing people that made this decision today. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart from today and on. I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year for the rest of my life. Jesus. I'm following you. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision.